Welcome to the podcast from Commonwealth Magazine. I'm Michael Jonas. Roughly 13,000 people are incarcerated in Massachusetts between the state prisons and county correctional facilities, and we spend more than a billion dollars a year to run these systems. Yet a lot of the details of that spending have been shrouded in mystery. The legislature recently set out to shed more light on that, forming a special commission on correctional funding. It recently issued its report, and the co-chairs of that commission, State Senator Will Brownsberger and State Rep. Michael Day, are here to help us understand what was found and where we might go from here. Welcome to you both. Thank you. Thanks, Michael. Great to be here. Uh, So, Will, just start out uh, by giving us a sense before we we start to talk about what, what was found. Uh, in the commission's work uh, to understand why you and your colleagues felt there was a need for this to begin with? Well, I, you know, I, I think we have the same questions that a lot of people have. I mean, it's, it's natural to ask, as you see prison populations going down, it's natural to ask the question whether spending could go down. And then you also have a pattern of variation of, of um, spending levels across counties that I think people wanted to understand. Um, and there's been an historic dynamic of um, the legislature sort of partially funding sheriffs and then going back and, and supplementing their budgets later in the year, which reflects sort of a level of uncertainty about what the right numbers are. So um, for both, for, for different reasons, uh, for, people have had questions about, about the right budget levels. And, and I think the commission was, was designed to try to shed light on that. I guess a, a fourth element would be the issue of uh, programming and in particular, are people doing the right level of recidivism programming, and it's a spending issue as well as a policy issue across facilities. Right. And I definitely want to get to some of that, uh, the issues around programming as well. So, uh, Rep. Michael Day, what what have been the changes that we've seen in the prison population, roughly speaking? Just give listeners some sense of, of how big a, a change we've seen, and that that's really kind of the backdrop for this examination of, of what's happening on the spending side. Yeah, Michael, I think you've seen society evolving as far as how we approach our carceral system. Uh, the numbers of uh, uh, crimes that we imprison based on um, have been modernized. And so we've got a, a different outlook on what the prison system should be. So you've got a natural uh, decline in population based on that, I think, coupled with COVID um, and releases based on health and safety concerns. Those numbers uh, dramatically increase the pace of, of uh, decline, I guess, uh, of the prison population. And so we saw the numbers continuing, and we expect they will continue to trend downward, uh, on certainly on long-term imprisonments. Um, and it was ripe for, uh, as, as Senator Brownsberger said, there were a number of different issues here uh, that hadn't been explored in some time. The level of opaqueness of the funding um, was certainly foremost, I think, for the legislature, on a, on a budgetary cycle, but certainly the, the programming and accounting for the decline in population um, were, the, were the chief motivators. But I think that's that's what drew, drove uh, a healthy piece of this commission. And am I right that, you know, over a period of a few decades, the, the population of folks incarcerated is roughly, is it sort of in the neighborhood of half of what it was at its peak? That's right. That's right. Yeah, it's, it's a, you know, the natural evolution, again, from the, the tough on crime, um, mantra that you heard throughout the 80s and and early 90s there. Um, I think that, you know, our understanding of of what works um, with our carceral system has evolved. And as a result, you're seeing the numbers uh, trending that direction. 
And so I guess sort of the, the sort of first question is, are we, uh, are we sort of spending too much? I mean, we've seen the sort of numbers kind of those trend lines go in opposite directions, right? We've seen the steep drop in the number of inmates and, and correctional spending has basically been increasing fairly steadily. Uh, you know, it, it from, from at least 30,000 feet, you would say it's been sort of increasing kind of without regard to that downward movement in, in the population uh, being incarcerated. It, it, you know, you might, it might lead one to say, is there something, is there something off here? Yeah. I mean, I, I think, uh, Michael, you know, from that 30,000 foot level, you would you'd naturally assume that our numbers are going down. So our costs should go down. This is a different type of population, um, clearly. Um, so that accounts for a piece of it. You, you could reduce. It, it's similar. I, I equate it to some of our educational system concerns, right? The, the numbers of students are going down. Why are the costs going down? Well, you still need the same teachers. You need the facilities for those students. That's, um, um, you know, I, I think that's certainly true with our correction system. You still need correctional officers uh, who are escorting inmates out of their cells, um, making sure that the peace is kept inside the system. But we also have changed what we do with the inmates. We no longer just keep them in a cell. Um, they're now, uh, we're, we're moving towards a recidivist model where the programming increases so that people who are coming out are equipped to be back into society in a productive way. They're not coming out and just being turned out with their clothes that they came in in. Uh, and so the programming certainly comes with a cost, and I think it's a cost that um, is well well placed, uh, so that the numbers won't necessarily. You're seeing a redistribution of where the the monies are being spent, as opposed to just a linear drop in the in the numbers. I don't know if Senator Brownsberger had different thoughts on that, but I think that's what we've seen throughout the the course of this commission. Yeah, no, we're on the same page. I mean, um, just to, just to sort of extend uh, Mike's metaphor a little bit. Uh, you know, if you if you've got um, you know kindergarten, first grade, second grade, third grade, and fourth grade, and you take uh, you know half the students out of each class, you still need kindergarten, first grade, second grade, third grade, and fourth grade, and that so your your cost structure doesn't necessarily change, and um, it's it, to some extent it's the same at the prison level. You've got maximum, minimum. You've got you know if you've got different units targeted to separate people by different gang bases. You've got mental health units. You've got youth units, and so forth. So. The structure doesn't necessarily change, and I, I think we we have it as an open question whether perhaps there are ways to change the facility structure we have out there. I mean, use the word consolidation, which is a scary word to people in the corrections business. Um, but you you have to remember that it's it's not necessarily um, good to consolidate inmates into a more cramped space. I mean. A lot of these, you can think of design capacity and operational capacity. I mean, or maybe the building was built with, you know, uh, 300 cells for 300 people. And now they've, you know, bolted two or three beds into you know, every cell. And they're saying the capacity of the place was 700. And now it's back down to 300. Well, maybe it's back down to where it should be. And maybe the, maybe the ratio of uh, staff to inmates is more like what it should be. And it's better for inmates. So I think, um, that's something I think uh, we came to the conclusion that we can't come to a conclusion that it's you know just just based on the on the uh, reduction in the number of inmates as to what the um, right staffing and uh, structure is and, and and really realize that you have to build up those ideas from from the bottom uh, and look and decide exactly how you how to how you want to uh, support inmates and handle inmates in, in a facility. 
Hmm. Although your point about schools, I kind of take that, and and you often do hear that comparison. At the same time, although there's like the fixed costs that you, you kind of were explaining with school structures in different grade sequences, we do in the state still have a per pupil funding allotment. There's some at some level, there's some portion of the funding of schools that it does relate to their headcount there. So um, uh, again, it still seems to beg the question uh, of of whether there ought to be some savings if we've got a population cut cut in half. Um, and I guess the the issue is teasing out. You know, is there been such a redistribution of funding to these other areas in programming, which I know your report said there's been a much increased appreciation for the need for that. So it's sort of a an area of spending that didn't exist to the same degree before. Is that sort of part of how you explain it? Well, I wouldn't say that, I mean, sorry to jump in, Mike. I mean, I, I, would, I, I wouldn't say that uh, the money has gone over into programming. I would not say, okay, you know, there's, they're now spending 50% of their budget on programming. That's not happening. Most <clears> of the budget is still uh, is still correctional staff, but remember that, that that's 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 still a very murky thing though, because actually, uh, you know, the real cost of a lot of programming is correctional staff. You know, you, you know, you've you've got somebody who wants to come in and uh, you know lead an Alcoholics Anonymous session, and well, that doesn't cost anything. What costs something is is uh, you know is, is officers to walk inmates over there, uh, and or you know to to manage them, you know, getting out of their uh, cells and and, um, and 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 moving over. So. And, and the, the higher staffing means that people who are incarcerated are going to have more access to programming, more ability to come out of cell uh, safely. And so it's, it's um, I, we're unable to draw the inference that, okay, that, that one, one would like to naturally draw there. Go ahead, Mike. So, yeah, no, I was going to just follow up with, with the, what the Senator said. This is, we left that open intentionally, Michael. I, we, we weren't able to get to that cost saving issue yet because we first got to get down to a apples to apples comparison on what's being spent in these facilities. And I think one of the biggest findings of this commission was that we don't have that ability right now. Um, different things are being reported, different things are being classified in different ways by facility, by office, by agency. And one of the recommendations here was that we align those better so that we understand where those monies are being spent, where there are opportunities for savings or consolidation. Um, right now, it's, it's almost like throwing a dart in the dark um, if we were to try to say, well, this needs to be cut or here's the formula we're going to put into place. We need to have a baseline of standards, a baseline of definitions uh, and a baseline of reporting that could then be used as a building block for, for you know, adult mature analysis of, of where the spending is. So there's two parts to that. I mean, w w one part is um, the issue of capacity and the issue of, you know, could you change, could you change this, the facility structure, meaning, you know, close a couple of facilities, move inmates around. Uh, however you did that um, in a way that would save costs. I mean, if when you actually close the doors on the facility, that's when you could save costs. If you say, okay, I tell you what, we don't need this school over here. We're going to close K through four over here. We're going to put all these kids over in, in the other ele ele elementary school in town. That saves money. But um, whether you're in a position to do that depends on your sense of the level of crowding that you think is appropriate. And um, so we, the, the data that we're, that Mike and I are working on developing the reporting language for now uh, will, I think, give us much more insight on, on, a, on a regular basis into how crowded are these facilities and, you know, how crowded would they be if we, if we push for some more consolidation. And, and then I think we also then have to have a conversation about what level of crowding is what we want. Do we want everybody to have a single cell 
Well, you will get different answers. I think the predominant answer is yes. Most people would prefer to be in a single cell, but that is not a uniform answer. Uh, sometimes it's good to have a buddy and sometimes people get lonely and maybe that's good for mental health. I, you know, it's, uh, those are a bunch of question marks there. So that's, but that's one level where we're going to get the physical capacity counts, the number of people in each unit, number of beds in each unit. Um, those things that we're going to, we're going to try to um, build, build a data structure on that uh, going forward. Um, then the other level of it is, well, what programming is actually happening? And we really did, as Mike said, try to get insight into that. And that's where you really get into, um, I mean, let me back up for a second. You, you still have a problem. Even there's a definitional problem, even on the capacity issues, by the way, because the so-called rated capacity of the institutions is a number that bounces around and is really a little bit arbitrary. Um, not to say that nobody's, I don't want to say arbitrary, but, you know, but it's, it's not reliable, the numbers that we have on rated capacity. I want to know, we want to know how many beds are there in these places, actually. What do you really, you know, how many people are you able to take? Um, but then, then you get to the programming level and it's even harder to understand. Uh, you know, the, the, the data about what people are, are getting in the way of programming is just all over the map. No consistent definitions, no good data on participation levels, no good data on completion rates, uh, no, and much less outcomes. Um, so it's, that's where we really feel is a major direction for us to go in, which might even involve changing the way programming is managed. But those are, those are things that the commission did not reach consensus on as to how to solve that problem. But, but talk a little about this issue of programming, because I feel like this kind of gets into uh, the ways in which kind of the question of what happens in correctional facilities, you know, may have some correspondence to all the stuff we've been talking about outside of uh, correctional facilities with criminal justice reform. We've made changes in, you know, how we handle cases coming into the court system. We've got this whole new uh, police reform effort that you all uh, passed to kind of change how police are operating or being monitored. And yet this question of what happens to folks once they're behind bars, uh, you know, again, remains murky. I know I'm, I was remembering uh, during the cr criminal justice reform efforts that you helped lead uh, uh, Senator Brownsberger a couple of years ago, you often referred to the effort being about lifting people up instead of locking people up. And that was kind of the broad sort of uh, sort of thrust of those efforts. But with that said, then there are some people who we do lock up ultimately and decide that that's the appropriate thing. But there's still some of that lifting up of people uh, ethos that I think uh, you and your colleagues have sort of said, we want to bring that behind the bars, behind bars as well, right? We want people there uh, to be, as, as your report said, uh, you know, returned in better shape to society than when they went in. And that gets to this whole programming issue. And especially at the county level with, you know, as listeners may know, the, the county system, which again has about half the inmates in the state, is run by individual sheriffs that are elected across the state. And your report found that it was just wildly disparate levels of funding on programming. I know there was the problem of even just defining programming and making these apples to apples comparisons. But then I was struck that I think in a few of them, Barnstable, Berkshire, Middlesex, those three counties spent more than $6,000 per inmate. And Plymouth County was at about 3,000. Bristol County was at 1,000. I, I don't know, Rep Day, does that, does, that, does that make any sense to have such wildly varying spending amounts just depending on the county that an inmate committed a crime in and, and gets locked up in? 
I, I think, Michael, that's one of the concerns that motivated this commission again, right? This is one of the charges that we were unable to meet uh, was coming up with a formula uh, that would, would deal with funding, but also um, potentially programming. And what we found was that at, at a base level, again, not to sound like a broken record, the definitions and classifications didn't match across the Commonwealth. So we had some counties reporting, um, and I don't have the numbers off the top of my head, but uh, you know, an extraordinary number of uh, uh, classifications of mental illness compared to other counties. Right. No, I saw those. I think Franklin County was at the top. 90% of inmates were classified that way. And then there were a couple of others, I think Barnstable and Bristol, it was less than 20%. It's Again, it's hard to think that people getting incarcerated in those two different jurisdictions just have wildly different kind of mental health profiles, right? That's right. And that's that's part of the frustration and part of the motivation of the commission was, was to get to that building block level again. We've got to start at the base. We've got to have a common agreed upon set of definitions as classifications. And then we can figure out what programming slots into what area, right? Every population is going to be different to a certain extent um, inside the walls, as you say, um, and everyone's going to have different needs in there. But there's, there's got to be a baseline um, set of standards and definitions and classifications that we can use to then evaluate, well, why is this programming so high? Why is Middlesex off the charts over here and Essex is off the charts on this side? Uh, we can't get there until we, we get to this agreed upon level of, of uh, definitions and classifications. That's, I think, one of the major findings of the commission that we did get across the board consensus on the need for more uniformity in our reporting and classification. Um, you know, the, the, the push, I think that we had a little bit of a, a, I wouldn't say a wrestling match, but some, some discussion on was that uh, the, the piece that you, I think, alluded to, Michael, that you've got different sheriffs elected across the Commonwealth running their own facilities in their way that they see fit and the way that that elected populace, uh, at least in theory, wants to see run by those virtue of those elections. Um, you know, again, the, the fundamental um, concept I think that was important to come through in this commission is that these are statutory creations that legislature and the executive work hand in glove together on what our correction systems look like. And so if we do find after we get to this aspirational level of, of definitions and, and classifications and reporting uh, that one is out of whack, then we've certainly got the responsibility uh, as a legislature to make sure that uh, gets back into whack, for lack of a, a better way or more artful way of saying it. And 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 will do we do we not even really know whether there's adequate programming going to inmates? Are we not even at that starting line where we can make that assessment? Is that part of the 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 problem that we're facing? I I would I would say that we we know the answer to that because I in my own mind I would like to see a very very high standard of programming uh, and provided to inmates. I know the word programming is a little little abstract, but we you know we want people to be able to grow and heal uh, in prison uh, if, if they have to be there uh, rather than just be warehoused. Um, and that that takes a lot. And, and I think we know that we can do more and we know that we should do more. Uh, there is no definition of adequate. But I'm pretty sure that uh, most of us feel that, yeah, we'd really like to be doing more. Um, and um, I think that's possible. I don't think it will be, I, I really don't think 
it happens in the world in which we spend less in our in our in our prison system. You know, I, I, I've never felt that criminal justice reform was about saving money because for those who are locked up, we need to treat them better than we're treating them. And um, and that's. Um, but well, what that means and how that gets done, I don't think we have the framework for that yet. Mm-hmm. And is there uh, in, uh, talk a little about this tension between we've got a state system that's run, you know, through the executive branch and you know, the head of it, the head of the Department of Corrections is appointed by the governor, serves under the governor. And then we've got the other kind of half of our system, the county systems run by these elected officials, sheriffs. And I do wonder, uh, I mean, uh, Rep Day, you said sort of under the, you know, they're under the sort of direction of elected people, presumably their kind of practices reflect sort of voters' wills. I guess I just kind of wonder to what degree voters pay much attention to what happens in county correctional facilities. And, and you know, it, 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 this whole issue of what happens in corrections at the state level as well just seems like it's, it's a bit off the radar and it's something without, without much of a constituency. Um, is, that, is that part of the problem, that there's just not really much public scrutiny of or, or kind of focus on where this, how this billion dollars gets spent? Well, look, I, I think um, the the level of uh, uh, attention from the general public into specifics of, of our government on all levels certainly could be better. Uh, I think it's increasing, um, certainly light years ahead of uh, where we were even five, six years ago uh, with the level of attentiveness from the general population. Um, the public will tend to fixate on things when there's a scandal or when there's a, a glaring problem. And if not, if it's running okay, uh, you know, there's nothing in the headlines, then there's not really going to be that level of attention unless you're involved in that system on a day-to-day basis. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that the legislature, you know, itself um, has been paying increasing attention to our correction system. And this, again, the, the motivation behind this commission was to give us a better, clearer insight into the operations on all levels of our correction system, not only the DOC, but also the sheriff's. Uh, as well, and how they do in the county houses of corrections. This commission does signal uh, increased attention from the general public. We had a robust public participation in this commission and the work we did, as well as the legislature itself. Uh, I think there's a, a much sharper eye being turned to our correction system now. No, I think that's that's probably true. And certainly we've seen in, in general with criminal justice reform, with issues around policing, there's suddenly just been a lot more public discussion than we probably had seen for you know several decades with with real robust debates about about these things. I just wonder again on the this issue around programming or however you want to put it the the stuff that goes on in in these facilities that's sort of geared toward trying to tackle recidivism, have people come out in better shape. Is there ultimately it, might there be a need for some stronger state say over that and over these disparities? I mean, is do we just let a, sort of a thousand flowers bloom? I don't know if that's the right uh, term for it, but to let the sheriffs do what they will and have wildly disparate spending because, you know, as I, some people have said to me, you, you can have sheriffs who decide to just spend not much on programming. If you think programming matters, then you might think the folks coming out of there are kind of at a higher risk to recidivate. And then they come back into a system where ultimately, you know, the state pays the pays the bill for that. And 
So I guess I'm thinking back to your sort of analogy, Will, about schools. There is a little bit of a school tussle, right? In the schools, we run them locally, but the state does exe- uh, you know, exercise some oversight and say, you need to spend a minimum amount for schools. We have certain standards, you know, debated and controversial around 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 schooling that the state exercises its authority. So um, can you just talk a little about that? Should we sort of insist on, a, and at some point, a minimum level of spending? And and then maybe just talk a little also about, I know one of the points in, in the commission report was the suggestion, at least, that maybe this programming aimed at reducing recidivism should be sort of overseen on a statewide basis. That would certainly seem to uh, imply some bringing some consistency to to the services across the facilities, right? Yeah, no, that's 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 it. I mean, I think there is that level of variation. Uh, it shouldn't be as wide as it is. I do want to say I think there's some very good things happening in many sheriff's facilities, um, and but we don't have a confidence that that's happening across the state and how can we, should we really change the way that's managed and structured? Should there be some kind of central, uh, you know, statewide uh, definition of what's, what's necessary and some statewide oversight to assure that that's happening? Uh, I think that's certainly a strong instinct that, that I think I have. Uh, and I think some other commissioners have, um, I think maybe, maybe Mike has it as well, but it's not something that there was a consensus on on the commission. So we sort of, we couldn't reach that rec- resolution. It's something we need to work on legislatively over the months, months to come. So what do you think are, uh, you know, kind of the next steps where, where, where's, where's this going to go? You know, the kind of uh, cynical watchers at Beacon Hill always say commissions come and go and issue reports and, and people are, are always sort of hungry to see some real follow through and tangible, uh, results from it. I think Mike and I are both really committed to making sure that uh, we, 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 we follow through uh, because we did have enough of an exposure to the reality of the issues to be motivated. Um, and um, so we, we have this reporting changes that are going to give us more insight into the capacity and potential consolidation cost structure issues. We're working on that actively. I hope to see that, uh, you know, in law within the next, uh, within hopefully within the budget cycle. Um, and then, um, and then we have a, a conversation to follow that about this programming management stuff, which I actually think is much, much harder uh, to figure out how to do that. But we're yeah, I'd, I'd echo that. I think that narrative, Michael, is, is a bit dated, um, as maybe our, many of our funding formulas are. But um, I think you know the proof will be in the pudding ultimately in the next uh, stretch of time here. But these commissions that are coming back from criminal justice reform, from police reform, are coming back with concrete recommendations that are actionable. And it's certainly not the intention, and I think I can speak for my friend here, Will, that um, this one is not going to gather dust on a on a shelf, nor are the other ones that are coming back um, as a result of the last omnibus piece of, of legislation that went through. So you're seeing actionable items. I think you've got an appetite from the legislature itself to move on those items. Um, you know, these are recommendations, so the legislature is going to weigh its own um, the merits of, of those as well, but. Um, they are things that we intend to act on uh, as a body uh, writ large and then engage in that legislative debate. And what would you, um, Michael, they sort of identify as the kind of top actionable kind of items you'd like to you'd like to see some movement on coming out of this 
this commission report? I mean, this commission, I think the, the recommendations are fairly straightforward um, at the end of the report. And those are the ones that Senator and I are going to be working on in this um, very near future with respect to streamlining um, the reporting requirements, actually getting uh, reporting requirements out there that are going to meaning, meaningfully allow us as a legislature to figure out what's going on here um, and to, to not just figure out what's going on here, but to act on what we're seeing and make course corrections as necessary. Right? We as in the legislature have the, the budget power. We also have that oversight power to, to correct course uh, when it is going off kilter. So if we see aberrations after we get this reporting um, fixed, um, then that's that's when it's on the, the legislature to act. But in the short term, I think you know, the Senator and I are working on putting these into actual actions, um, changing the reporting requirements, making sure those are uh, following the recommendations of this commission. Great. Well, thanks for a great conversation and uh, helping us understand uh, an important issue that uh, probably gets too, too little attention and discussion. Uh, Representative Michael Day, uh, thanks so much for talking to us. Thank you, Michael. And Senator Will Brownsberger, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for your interest and for all you do at Commonwealth Mag. And this has been another episode of the podcast from Commonwealth Magazine. I'm Michael Jonas. Thanks for listening. We will see you next time.